Do you wake up and think of all the ways the day could go wrong? Does a list of worst-case scenarios play on a loop in your head? Can the littlest thing set off a spiral of what-ifs? Focus on the Family Canada has created a free PDF booklet filled with professional advice, biblical insights, and follow-up resource suggestions to help you better understand and navigate anxiety in your life. Download your free PDF booklet at focusonthefamily.ca slash anxietypdf. That's focusonthefamily.ca slash anxietypdf. Yeah, you mentioned people don't have waffles and spaghetti at the same time. Not typically. And it actually is kind of the point. Because one of the big points of our book is if you want to get your needs met in marriage, you need to take turns. Ah. And if you take turns meeting each other's needs, it tends to go really well. Mm. If you try to force them to get met at the same time, you tend to get in conflict. Well, that's Bill Farrell uh, describing how husbands and wives interact in marriage, often coming from very different perspectives. And maybe you've seen some of those differences in your relationship. Bill and his wife, Pam, are back with us today on Focus on the Family, and thank you for joining us as well. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, we had a fun conversation last time with Bill and Pam about common differences between men and women, and uh, if you're scratching your head saying, there really is no difference with me and my spouse... Look a little deeper. (laughs) It's got to be there. And as we shared last time, uh, these are God-designed differences. I think he did this on purpose. I've often thought, and uh, I think Gary Thomas wrote about this, but I often thought, Lord, why did you bring opposites together and then we irritate each other? And, of course, the idea is to become more like Christ, to become more selfless and more like him. That's, I think, the bottom line reason that the institution of marriage exists spiritually for us to be less self-focused. Mm-hmm. And man, it just it is so hard because we're such selfish creatures. Yeah. And this is great material to better understand one another and to better understand what's the goal. Uh, you know, we discussed how men tend to be single-focused, operating out of uh, one box at a time, thus the waffle analogy. And then women are like spaghetti, all connected and thinking and throwing stuff at us that we can't control or understand or solve. And that can create conflict. Yeah, and uh, our audience always resonates with Bill and Pam. This has really been a, a popular best-selling book uh, that we're talking about again today. Men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. Understanding and delighting in your differences. Stop by our website, focusonthefamily.ca, or give us a call, 800, the letter A in the word family, to get your copy. And the Farrells are uh, best-selling authors, as I mentioned. They have uh, experienced a lot of different things in life. They've been pastors and speakers and uh, life coaches, counselors, and I think you'll really benefit from what they have to share today. Bill and Pam, welcome back. It's good to be back on you. (laughs) It's so much fun. It just puts a smile on my face thinking about the conversation, and uh, I'm looking forward to kicking it off again today. Let's start with the topic of romance. Now everybody just turn the the radio up or their their (laughs) iPhone up or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Romance, yeah, that's the topic. How do our gender differences impact the ways we approach romance in marriage? Well, because men love to succeed, one of the best ways to romance a man is to. help him succeed and lower his stress. So if you can do both those things, he's going to feel loved. And um, so what I always encourage that we should tie together his favorite easy boxes. You know, every man <laughs> has some favorite boxes. So knowing what your husband's favorite boxes are. For example, if I wanted to um, romance Bill, I would put together like uh, 
sports box because all of our boys ended up playing sports and maybe a football game, some tickets. I would take him to his favorite, you know, healthy, good-for-you restaurant. That'd be box number two. And then box number three, we haven't mentioned as much yet, but that is um, – God has a way of helping us girls recognize the stress in men's life and how to lower it. And that is guys like to go their favorite easy boxes to rest and rejuvenate. And God kind of helped us out that most of these boxes actually are shaped like boxes. The TV screen shaped like a box, the computer screen shaped like a box, the <laughs> baseball diamond, the basketball court, the football field shaped like a box, the garage, garage is shaped like a box, the refrigerator shaped like a box, the bed is shaped like a box. Okay, we got the point. Yeah. <laughs> that bed box is like a favorite box for husbands to go to when they're stressed. It's like the free square in the middle of a bingo card they can get there from every other square on their waffle. <laughs> so if I want a romance bill, that means I'm going to tie together that football box, that wonderful food box, and then bingo, bingo box. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, he would give you the tickets to mm-hmm. that pro sports football game and make sure game. that bingo was going to happen mm-hmm. at the Farrell House. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So, so men tend to be pretty simple when it comes to romance, where us guys need to recognize that what women think are is romantic are connections. Anytime you make a significant connection into her life, she will interpret it as romantic. So when we call in the middle of the day and say, hey, there's nothing really going on. I was just thinking about you, so I called just to say I, I love you. I just called to say I love you. That creates a connection in her life that makes her feel important. Mm. When you buy flowers for her, all it says is, I was thinking about you while I was doing something else. When you remember her favorite places to go, favorite dates of the calendar in her life, when you just notice her, like what's her favorite color, what's her favorite dessert, anytime you remember those kinds of things, it creates a connection into her life. And as men, we tend to think it's got to be big and it's got to be expensive. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you can do big and expensive, she'll appreciate that. Yeah. But what she's really looking for is that you noticed her and you made a connection. So... If you don't have much to work with financially and you want to take a simple date and turn it into a big memory for her, well, send her an invitation. Like, hey, I know we got Friday night. They, I, I think it's all clear on our schedule. Can we spend Friday evening together? And do it in an invitation. It can be a digital invitation or it can be a physical one. And then on Tuesday before, just check, hey, does it look good? You know, is the schedule clear? On Wednesday, give her some indication of how to dress appropriately. Because women always want to be dressed appropriately wherever it is that we're going. Like, baby, you look great in that. And then you can have a just take her out to a simple date and enjoy the evening. And then Saturday morning, send a thank you note in the mail to her that she'll get the following Monday or Tuesday. Bonus points if you arrange childcare for all this. Right. <laughs> and what <laughs> you've done good. is you've taken a simple date, but you've created a week full of connections for her. Right. And my guess is it'll cover your romance points for, I don't know, three to six months because you connected to her heart. Yeah, that is really good. It, speak to the person who, and, you know, again, the shoe can be on either foot. This could be the mm-hmm. wife or the husband. Uh, and again, I'm not meaning to pick on a, a temperament type, but mm-hmm. in your mind, picture an engineer, an accountant. I love you guys <laughs> or you gals. But, you know, they they kind of think in a linear way. Um Speak to that person says, well, romance, it's not one of my spiritual gifts <laughs> because I'm so logical. You know, mm-hmm. she's got to cover some of that for me. It's interesting you bring this up because my dad was an engineer. <laughs> okay. My one youngest son. son is an engineer. Yeah. And what I would say to you is use your strengths rather than fight against them. Hun, so, I've built you a building. 
No, no, no. no. <laughs> like, like to the engineer out there, I would say there is a formula that works with your wife. Hmm. Oh, okay. And yeah. if you can look for the formula. Now, parts of the formula you might be uncomfortable with because part of the formula might be writing her a love note or saying something really complimentary to her. Um, but that there's a formula that works. That's why she married you is because she appreciates the fact that you can put stuff into formulas. So figure out the formula and then execute it. You right now are trying to act like, well, how do I become the guy on the movies who's real kind and sensitive and thoughtful? She didn't marry that guy. She married you. But you can use your strength to figure out what the formula mm-hmm. looks like. And my youngest son's gotten very effective he's at that. He's so romantic. Like, oh, that's like he, great. He has studied his wife, and he's figured out what works with her, and he repeats it often. And it works. And it works. It meets that need for her. Because, mm-hmm. she, because again, he took time yeah. to study who she is, not yeah. try to put her into a mold of what would be easy for him. And yeah. that's really what romance is, is just taking the time to observe your mate and then appreciate and value them. Uh, So there's nothing more romantic than being told, wow, thank you for being you. And it doesn't have to cost anything. One of the favorite stories that is in Men Are Like Waffles and Like Spaghetti is of a husband who didn't have a lot of um, money. And so he just bought a dozen you know, roses on sale I, in California. That's five bucks where we are from. Um, so he back said, when I know, right? <laughs> still, it's still because we live by the flower fields. Yeah. It's like amazing. But um, he said, "Okay, I want to deliver these one at a time." So just handing the whole bouquet to her and saying, uh. "Love you, babe." Um, he's like, "Can you sit down?" And, and then he would bring one rose and he'd say, "I love uh, what a great mom you are." Then he'd bring another rose and thank you for being such an amazing cook. So 12 roses with 12 compliments. Every woman would love that. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. For those people with a lot of debt, here's my recommendation. Learn God's Word on finances. Most Christians violate biblical financial principles unknowingly. For example, Easy Credit today encourages people to use debt freely. However, God's directive is to use as little debt as possible and to pay it off as quick as possible and be content with his provision. Luke 3.14 says, be content with your pay. Number two, list out all of your debts, including the repayment terms, maturity date, and interest rates. Number three, implement a budget to ensure that you spend less than you earn and you have a surplus to pay down debt and save for future needs. In the parable of the tower, Christ admonished us to plan ahead. Number four, use your monthly surplus to pay down your most expensive debt First, which is usually your credit cards, and then pay down your other debts. And going forward, track your expenses to know your financial facts, and you'll also become more conscious of where your money is going, so you'll likely spend less. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. Are you feeling sad, discouraged, or hopeless? Have you lost interest in activities you once found enjoyable? Are you confused about whether this is a passing sadness or depression? Focus on the Family Canada has created a free PDF booklet filled with professional advice, biblical insights, and resource suggestions that address depression. Download your free PDF booklet at focusonthefamily.ca slash depressionpdf. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Bill and Pam, moving into gender differences and stress, uh, you had a great example. I think of uh, one of your parents or grandparents, 
and how they dealt with it oh, and what you observed, I think, yeah, with your my, grandparents, right? It was right? my grandparents. My grandparents were um, happily married for more than 60 years. So this worked for them, okay? And um, that is when they would then when they would get a little miffed at each other, uh, <laughs> you know, grandma would just start like talking and verbalizing her stress. But grandpa, he was wise enough not to respond to all that. He would just go out to the shop and start fixing stuff. And it would give grandma time to talk through and think through her little upset moment and by the time Grandpa came back in from milking the cows or fixing things, um, his wife was happy again. And so it really is that process of seeing that we do process stress differently. Like when um, women are stressed, we talk our way through stress. Like when I'm stressed out, my mom knows it, my sister knows it, my best friend knows it, my prayer partner they can hear knows it. it. Yes. And the <laughs> clerk at the grocery store will know it when I'm stressed <laughs> out, right? Because we talk our way through stress. But right. guys like to go their favorite easy boxes to deal with their stress. Which and is so, the nothing box for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. Or for my grandpa, it was his shop. Yeah. And for us men, I, I think it helps for us to have a picture of what this looks like. Like when, when stress hits a woman's life, it's like a great big meatball comes flying out of the sky and it <laughs> lands on her plate of spaghetti and it sends noodles flying everywhere. And she has to go collect up all those noodles and get them back on the plate. And then she has to integrate the meatball because everything in her life's connected. So she's going to ask questions. Okay, why did this happen to us? What does this say about you? What does this say about me? What does this say about us? Why did God do this? How are we supposed to respond? That usually takes several conversations. Mm. And for men, we think that's one conversation. Yeah, like We're going to talk done. about this once, figure out what to do about it, move on. And our wife needs to integrate it all together. And so as men... If we can train ourselves that when we see stress hit our wife's life, if we can set aside some extra time, help her talk through everything that's going on, and it'll probably be multiple conversations, it will help lower the stress in her life. And on behalf of the men, I would say to the ladies out there, the other thing you can do to help in this process is to get some really good girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. Because you probably need to talk about this more than we can listen. And if we're both doing our part, it brings the stress back mm -hmm. down. And one of the things that we women can do when we're um, all stressed out is to really give some kind of a warning to our family. What does that sound like? <laughs> so how it <laughs> Step back. I, uh, Step back. Actually, it's, it's not Something too like that. bad. That's not too bad. In our household, Bill... Um, we were supposed to leave to go to Canada to be on live TV on Monday morning. It was a Sunday afternoon, and my conference ran late. I called Bill. I'm like, honey, I'm going to run late, so there's five or six things I need you to do. And Bill's like, ah. Uh. Well, Pam, I love you. That's the good news. The bad news is I'm with our oldest son whose car just broke down, and we're waiting for a tow truck. So you're probably going to beat me home. And there's a couple things I need you to do for me before we can get out the door. <laughs> yeah, so my time was cut in half. My list had doubled. I was very stressed. This is not moving in yeah. the right direction <laughs> exactly. for you. Exactly. Our oldest Mr. Responsibility son was with Bill. Our youngest was already with a set of grandparents that he stays with. And only our then 13-year-old ADD, ADHD son, Zach, was home. Zach was doing the first thing on his list, but kind of in Zach time. Not very quickly. Zach. Uh, yes, Mom. Okay, you know that Mom and Dad teach that men are like waffles, like spaghetti. Yes, Mom. Okay, so what happens when you put a bunch of 
pasta into water and then the water all boils out he's like uh pasta explosion that's right that's what's gonna happen here this pasta is ready to explode and zach's like oh mom why don't you tell me it was like a pasta princess moment and i'm like zach that is like brilliant and so from that point on anytime i'm stressed all it says pasta princess is home and the boys and philip taught the boys the only thing safe to say to a stressed out woman is what can i do to help you ma'am and so that was a great code word it brought humor and we all smiled and got action out of the boys right? and it all worked out you made it to canada yeah we, we made did. it to canada <laughs> good well that worked out yeah as they- long as you don't overwork that it works really well because it alerts us guys that okay stress is on the table we need to respond. Yeah. So that can't be an everyday thing. No. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> hey, let me ask you, in that same vein, though, with stress, more in the couple-to-couple relationship, not with the kids, but um, how do we integrate the different approaches? You know, is sometimes, so, to your point earlier, men can pull back if they're feeling oh yeah, stressed. Well, we have to take turns. Yeah. Like, you, you cannot allow the wife to talk through all of the stuff that's stressing her and go to an easy box to relieve stress at the same time. So you have to take turns. And the first thing we encourage you to do is decide who needs to relieve their stress first. And having that conversation. And what I realized really early is that um, if I would send Bill out to his favorite easy box, and then I would pray through and process through my stress... Uh, and talk to God about it. When Bill came back, he was a better listener, but I was also a better communicator because mm. Bill wasn't hit with the whole tsunami of like all of my emotions. And, and you know how we all have something in our life we wish we'd learned earlier? The thing I wish somebody had told me sooner in our marriage is your emotions follow your decisions. Huh. So if you decide as a couple, okay, who's going to relieve stress first? It also applies to conflict. Like when we have to, have to be in conflict with each other, how are we going to approach it? If you decide how you're going to do it, your emotions line up behind you and you get control of them. But if you don't make a decision and you just let your emotions run the discussion, it's probably going to be chaotic. Yeah. And let's move uh, from that idea of stress. And there's so much more in the book and we can't cover it all. But this probably, that area would help the most couples, I think, what we're talking about right there. Because this is a stressful world. It is. You come home full of stress, both of you, Mm -hmm. whatever you're out doing. Moving to something happier, I guess, would be helping couples finding success. Um, I think you had a story, Bill, where uh, you were starting a new job as a senior pastor, but things weren't going so well for Pam at home. And this was kind of an aha. I think it's a great example of awareness for both of you. What took place? So so we had moved down to the Southern California area, and I was pastoring a church, and I was was like fully focused – you know how us guys are when we have we have a passion, we have a direction, we have a goal, and I was just fully focused and assuming, well, Pam's fully focused too, because obviously this is a God thing, you yeah. know, God's leading us, and and we had moved from a home into an apartment. Because that's what we could afford in that part of Southern California at the time. Right, and, and it wasn't really the apartment that was the issue, it's that this particular apartment building had a rule that we weren't smart enough to ask about like ahead of time. Kids weren't allowed on the front porch, on the back porch, on the oh patio, on the sidewalk, on the grass. It's like... So they, it's basically a no-kid apartment. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And we had two sons who are fully boys. <laughs> yeah. Like, they like to rumble. They like to talk loud. They're just fully boys. we had boys. one car at the time. So um, oftentimes, I felt stranded with the boys there. And so, like, it got really tough on Pam. Hmm. 
So I went to the closet to get something out of the closet, and I couldn't remember even what I went there for. And I started to cry. And mm-hmm. I was sitting on top of a load of laundry, and the boys uh, toddled in. And Brock's like, what's wrong, Mommy? And I'm like, I don't know. And I just wrapped <laughs> my arms around them and rocked back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until they fell asleep. And I put them in, each in their bed and Zach in his crib. And I witnessed Zach at the kitchen table. I'm like, God, I know this is crazy because I have two healthy kids and I love them. I have a husband who loves me. But every time um, Bill comes home, he hears, why did you do this to me? And how long do we have to live like that? And like that makes him want to run home and spend time with me, God. Uh, yeah, you got to <laughs> give me an answer to this pain. And so I thumbed through my Bible and I came across that verse that's very familiar, wives honor your husband. And I remember telling God, yeah, but I'm pretty sure there's an exception for this clause right here. Um, and so I got my Bible study tools uh, looking for a way to opt out of honoring Bill. But instead, I found out what honor really meant. And so um, what God taught me that day is I needed to see Bill as God saw Bill, a man worthy and honor and respect. I needed to speak to Bill with the words that God would use to speak to Bill, words that would build him up and encourage him and edify him. And I needed to serve alongside of Bill in this new uh, role as a pastor and help him succeed as a true helpmeet. And so I called Bill up and I said, hey, you want to go to lunch? And he said, uh, I think so. <laughs> wasn't sure what he's going to get. Ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so over lunch, I shared with Bill what the Holy Spirit had taught me. I said, I, I don't care if I get like the house, the car, the like everything that I think that I need to be happy. Uh, from this point on, um, before God, I have decided 100% I'm on your team, Bill. Mm-hmm. And if I were to put the emotion I felt at that moment into words, it would sound something like, yes. <laughs> because when Pam said, I'm on your team, I don't really know how to explain it, but something changed in me. Like I became a better pastor. I was spending less time at, at church getting more done. Huh. I almost immediately figured out how to get our, our family out of this apartment we were in into a house that had a yard where the kids could run and use their big muscles. <laughs> and and then a plan developed to build a home in the town where we were pastoring so we could build roots. And and I know I was working harder because we spent a year building a house and pastoring a church. I was working harder, but it felt easier. Because yeah. we were getting along. Let me because ask we, you. when your wife believes in you, yeah. it taps into a resource you didn't know you had. Yeah. And let me ask this question. And I know, again, the shoe can be on either foot. Yeah. So you're you're in this analogy. But... Did you were you ahead of Pam in kind of sensing this would be working a lot easier if Pam fill in the blank? Oh, there's and, no and, doubt. And so, and I'm sure Pam could yeah. make that uh, assertion of you. You know, this would be a lot easier if Bill would fill in the blank. So you have couples that are in that spot and they haven't had that aha experience yet, and it may take time. It does take time. So well, it, it's it, even more intense than that, Jim, because couples get competitive. Right. Like, I've got an idea of how this should go. I need you to get on board with how I believe this should go. And both the husband and wife will have that approach, and you start competing over whose approach is best. Well, and even applying scripture to it. Oh, so yeah. I could be that blunt for the Christian yeah. community. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say, I see my responsibility. I think I'm living by that scripturally, but I'm not so sure she sees it and what her responsibility is. I think that's where prayer really comes in and 
So Bill and I were in this year-long conflict shortly after that, and it was um, because I just really felt like God had called me to um, writing and speaking and leading women's ministry, and I was just on. Bill calls it my awakening. Right. And, and she uh, came up, it, there was so much passion behind her desire to do all this that it looked to me like it was going to overrun our life. And so I went back to school, and um, Bill had always made the commitment that I'll believe in Pam's dreams, and I'll walk alongside her um, as it, long as they're God's dreams for right. Pam, kind of. Right. If it was Pam's ideas, I wasn't going <laughs> to yeah. you know, put my whole heart into but it. If but it's if it's God's idea. Yeah, I, I was committed to support it if God really put it on her heart, and I couldn't see it. So one day we just got down. We we always like make an appointment and we hold hands and we talk through it. And then if we don't solve it, we reschedule. And we did that for a whole entire year. Mm -hmm. Wow. And one day we were just broken when Mm -hmm. we just got down in front of our sofa and I was sobbing. I'm like, God, I've been trying to follow you. And obviously I'm like, maybe didn't read something right. Or maybe I did read something right, but Bill's still mad at me. So we just need you to rescue us. Yeah. And my prayer was, God, I love this woman, but I don't really like her right now. And something needs to change. So if you need to change something in me, change it. If you need to change something in her, change it. But Lord, we need we need your guidance and we need your help here. Yeah. And so then next. And when, when I realized, oh, Pam can't say no to this because it's, it's the God. dream God put on her heart. And I said, I need to get that message to her. And one of the things you need to know about Pam, she loves public attention. Like not every woman does. Pam loves public attention. So I figured if I can go into her world and make a statement, I think she'll get it. So she was going to college. So I had a class, and it was um, romantic literature. And (laughs) Bill had to be up on campus filming for the church. And this class, every day I was standing up for Jesus because it was just a secular university. And so I said, just pray for me when you go by this class. And, um, well, the door opened, and my uh, professor was saying, Romance is dead. It's always been dead. It's just an illusion. And all the women are like, yeah, because men are scum. And then the door opened. I I bought a dozen (laughs) roses. I walked into the classroom, set them on her desk, gave her a kiss, said, I love you, Pam, and then walked out the door. And my professor's (gasps) like, is it your birthday? Nope. Your anniversary? Well, why did your husband come in here? Well, I think that he just wanted me to know that he believes in the dream uh, that's on my heart to become a writer. And he just wanted to make sure that I knew that he believed in that dream. And then all the women were like, so does he have a brother? (laughs) So I was looking for a way to speak her language. Yeah. And she got the message. Wow, what a great place to end. I mean, that is uh, romantic language, right? And it does exist. And especially if we're focused on the Lord and what the Lord wants from us yeah. in our relationship with each God other. God will whisper to us what we need when we need it. Right. Every wow. secular professor should be saying, what's going on here? <laughs> right? I love that. It's so good. Thanks for being with us. Again, what a Thank great you. time together. It flies by when we're here in the studio. And your great book, Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti, get a copy from us here at Focus Canada. And when you do, all the proceeds go right back into helping families across Canada. Yeah, so join the support team to help make programs like this and to provide resources like the great book, Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. We also have our free marriage assessment for you. You can get a quick overview of what's working well in your relationship, and maybe you'll discover some areas for improvement as well. 
Learn about these resources and more when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800-232-6459. Or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Hope you have a great weekend with your family and with your church family as well. And then plan to be with us on Monday when we'll have practical help for parents when your adult child leaves home. You've got to build the relationship. And uh, building the relationship that last two, three years that they're in the home is an essential part of having a continuing relationship once they do go uh, off to college or wherever it is. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.